This is Film Club. You ever played the long con? Time to work on your grifting skills and dust off your tweeds because we're giving you a lift home. You follow? Time to talk about The Sting. So this is a movie that would have been on my list because of the best picture challenge, which I'm endeavoring to do. But Lauren watched it, loved it, then introduced it to me. And then I also loved it and wanted to do it for film club. But from the top of the episode, I just want to say, hopefully you don't listen to these episodes without watching the movie beforehand, just because I feel like it is a better... I am just a very spoiler-averse person, so I always feel like it's better the less you know going into a film. However, this one especially, I implore you, if you have not watched this film, it is a very enjoyable film, especially the less you know about it. So, we will definitely be talking about all the spoilers, and it is a film that, historically, a lot of people say you should just watch. So, please turn this off. We know that you are dedicated listeners but if you have not watched the sting please turn this off you are not allowed to listen yes (laughs) okay so first of all i was watching some commentaries they weren't that interesting but i did not realize doyle lonigan plays quint in jaws i did not put that together (gasps) oh (laughs) so now the crazy girl yes he would never call him hooker because that wasn't his name to him, you know, like he gave another name. But now I'm so mad because I wanted him to call him Hooka. <laughs> Hooka. <laughs> but now that oh I my gosh, know I that, love I that connection. Right? Like, how did I not put that together? But because there's such different characters, but it's true. Yeah, it's the same voice. Yeah. So um obviously this is a great film because it has Paul Newman and Robert Redford. We love them. And very fun setting takes place in chicago 1936 so post-depression kind of right before world war ii and this is made in the 70s so they did like a fantastic job and lauren your letterbox review really pointed that out of how amazingly they were able to capture this sense of the 30s and of course something that is very standout in this film is the scott joplin music and the ragtime themes which is like a bit of an anachronistic musical choice because that would have been more popular in like the 1910s and 20s. However, it's still so fun and I love it that I have no complaints. I didn't realize it. The the part where they were getting their glow up when they're like going to the barbershop and stuff, that mm-hmm. exact song is played in Town Square Theater. And I really was like triggered. <laughs> like <laughs> I was Have like I singing I was singing along with it perfectly. And I was like, how do I know this one? I mean I know Scott Joplin music, but like this one is too familiar. <laughs> um, you just hear it every day in life. <laughs> so something that I particularly love about this film is it's called The Sting. There's the big setup, obviously, the long con to trick Lonigan. But there are so many little stings along the way. And of course, the big audience trick as well. So I wanted to kind of talk about all of those because the first time I watched it, I really was like, what's going to happen? Who are they still friends? Are they together? Are they going to, you know, backstab each other? 
And then watching it again, knowing the plot was really fun, but I kept getting tricked by other things that I had forgotten about. So it's just oh such a fun movie um, in that regard. So I love that it starts off with these characters that are like so well-developed and you're like, I got to pay attention to who these people are because they're obviously going to be centered to the plot. And they're like, nobody. <laughs> like, it starts off with <laughs> the the money that gets stolen, but it starts off with, like, the receptionist and the guy that's in coming in is, like, yeah. flirting with her. But they're, like, such well-developed characters that you're like, I just am like, oh, they're going to be central to this movie. And that's literally the only scene that they're in. So I just love it. Like, <laughs> the sting begins already. And there's so many fake outs. Obviously, the first con when with Luther, when they steal the money from the guy. And then even just like what I call the glow ups of when they like go and get <laughs> their hair done and um, look all sharp and professional now. That's a facade. You know, there's like all these fake outs and facades and the whole sets that they're building and the whole game that they're playing. It's just all these layers of facades. And eventually Robert Redford's character, Hooker, he <laughs> is like two different people to Lonigan. He's the person that Lonigan is like trying to have killed in the background, but he's also the person that Lonigan is working with. So it's just like, there's so many different things going on at play here and it's so fun. And so you just like, don't always know who to trust either. I remember watching it for the first time and, and the whole, after the poker scene, like, is this part of the plan? Is Robert Redford's character like, doing what Paul Newman told him to do or is he like not you know it, there's like is just a little bit back of, on him already yeah there's just this air of mistrust that is set up and you just aren't certain at least I wasn't even though this is after I'd watched Butch Cassidy so I was like so committed to them being good friends but I was still didn't <laughs> trust it enough I love the black glove reveal and you just are so suspicious of it the whole time and that ends up being like a good person but you're just like that's the assassin like this is sketchy black glove man is there you know i love the paint trick i'm just like talking about all my favorite fake outs but when they like come into the bank and they're like we're painting get out and then they like have to do all the swaps really fast oh it's so <laughs> enjoyable and i love when he comes back in and like there's this garish green paint that, that poor banker <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mom was like they're just gonna leave it like that <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, and of course, the big FBI setup for Snyder. I love how that is like such a trick for the audience that you just believe that's the FBI. And like, you have no preconceived notion of them setting it up or them planning it. And if you do watch it with that knowledge, like you can totally see the lead up to that where it's not like, oh, some big reveal that you could never figure out. But they're like, ah, oh. like um, Gondorf is talking and being like, when they find out, when he finds out about Snyder, he's like, you can see them starting to plot and stuff. It all makes sense within their own world, but the way that it's delivered also presents doubt in your mind, in the audience's mind. I love when they do the everything in... This movie's just so entertaining for me. Like, I have watched it so many times now, and I every time I'm just, like, so fascinated. I love it. I love the way that they, like, delay him at the window when he is trying to set his bet and they are like oh sorry the race just started you can't place your bet <laughs> but in his mind <laughs> that was like not anybody's fault but obviously it was all set up to be that way 
Um, I also love the Salino reveal that it was the woman who was being the assassin because in 1930s gangster mind, you're just like, oh, it's going to be a guy. It's going to be this, not this innocent woman who's at the cafe. And for that to be like, be this whole reveal is just like, because you're like, oh my gosh, they just murdered this innocent woman. Like what? This is wild in such a violent way. And then it's like, (gasps) such a twist, such a shock. Like there's just all these little nuanced, layered, hidden twists throughout. I love the bathroom trick. And then truly from, I was like trying to take notes, but from the point of when they're doing like the final con, I've completely forgot to take notes because I was just so enthralled, so entertained, even though I know everything that's going to happen. But so those were kind of like my favorite layers of being faked out. I just love the idea that there's this friendly group of con men that like they're all connected to each other and like um like Luther knows this guy in Chicago and can send him to that guy and then that guy can call all his friends to get together to stage this big con because he killed Luther and they're all working together they all come from their separate locations to stage this big con and it's just so fun to see them all working together like you said but and like all inputting ideas I love when they're all like around the gambling table like trying to flesh out how they're gonna do it and each person's like contributing and um it just I wish that this was a real thing right (laughs) out there's like a big con men group (laughs) that all work together they're not like because usually you picture con men and usually they are just in it for themselves and like Mm -hmm. they are gonna like betray each other and they don't trust each other but I love the idea that they all can get past that part of themselves to help each other in a big con yeah yeah I love that and I feel like that is a very interesting theme of like justice right like they can't really get justice for what has happened to Luther um and there is this kind of through line where Gondorf keeps telling Hooker like revenge isn't actually going to do anything and it's not going to give you what you want and revenge is for suckers yeah like there's a kind of like a, a sense of hopelessness and just despair of like this horrible horrible thing has happened there's not really much we can do about it and so within their own abilities and power this is how they're able to like try and make any sort of sense of justice within their world and I love that you pointed out this like sense of community justice where it's not just like a few people but like Luther meant so much to so many they would they're willing to all band together and like obviously Lonigan is such a threat like there are so many people throughout that are like hey if this fails if this unravels in any small little bit like it's gonna cost us huge either financially or literally with our lives so and I think that threat of force was really demonstrated throughout like, when he gets so mad on the train and he's like, just shoot him, just throw him off the train. And his little henchmen are like, um, we cannot do that right now. But just, he's kind of like an unreasonable force of power. And so, yeah, like, obviously, cons are usually not something that is in any way heroic. But, like, you're rooting for them and you want this to happen because it does feel more just. And it feels like, it's just this interesting way of kind of, like, similar to the godfather especially in godfather 2 with young Vito, 
how like justice is understood and where courts and laws fail and where people feel like they have to step up for themselves and obviously that can become corrupt which is explored in the godfather but it's also really interesting this is there's only two movies that have paul newman and red robert redford which is this one and butch casting the sundance kid they're both outlaws they're not like necessarily the quintessential good guys right they're outlaws and butch cassidy and the sundance kid and here they're like these con men and yet they're like so lovable and so great and if you enjoyed the sting and you haven't seen butch cassidy and the sundance kid would recommend for paul newman riding a bike alone (laughs) Um, i think that cars is like paul newman's only role where he's like a decent like on the up and up (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sure we'll get to this with some of the listener reviews as well but i just love the poker scene so much like my third viewing before and kind of in preparation i had to watch it twice because i just think it's so enjoyable i love when um gondorf is acting fake drunk and just the way he pushes lonigan's <laughs> buttons is so funny to me the way how he never says his name correctly yes <laughs> and just his loud laughter and when he like wipes his nose with his tie <laughs> it's so good it's just such a fun role to just be the most annoying person in the room like yes. being gilderoy lockhart where you're just like everyone hates me and i, <laughs> I love it <laughs> it's so good Oh, and (laughs) I was looking up because when I was watching it and Robert Redford is doing all this running, poor guy, he like (laughs) ran more than he did anything else. But when he's running in the elevated train station and he's like jumping and doing these crazy stunts, I was like trying to find out if he did his own stunts because he like jumped some pretty far places and I couldn't get a a definite answer on that. But even at the very beginning when he's when he's with Luther, well, after Luther dies, and he's running away because they're like, the police are coming. He jumps up fence. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and like when he's going back to his apartment and he sees the piece of paper that's fallen and he like jumps down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I couldn't get a definitive answer. But the only thing that came up was, did Paul Newman do the hand, do the cards stunts? <laughs> I was like, I don't actually really care about that. But it was actually mm-hmm. fascinating. They did have like, someone else come in and do the handwork because it's like so Mm -hmm. impressive but what I find really cool is the cut because when I was watching it I was trying to figure out if they would have a cut between the camera on his hands and then camera going up but it's a pan up so I was like huh did Paul Newman really do this and it is like a really cool editing trick of how of when they switched whose hands it is in this like hidden cut in the way that they were able to do it. And I just, I love a hidden cut edit. Those are like some of my favorite shots. Mm-hmm. Speaking of favorite shots, however, there were so many mirror shots. So many. Oh my gosh. Of Gondorf, which I think does serve a kind of an interesting character purpose of like, who is he? And like, does he have, it would maybe be a little bit interesting too, to have Robert Redford's character have a lot of mirror shots as well. Just of like, is there a, a double lot going on at this time who can we trust but for some reason it was really only gondorf that kept having his reflection in a mirror he's retired he's coming out of that retirement back into he's like the old grifter so doing one last big yeah is he like reflecting on this lifestyle is it just a fun artistic choice all of the above 
My other favorite thing is there was a point right when Lonigan is learning how to get the calls. And it's a window shot, so you can see Lonigan, but then in the reflection of the window, you see the the guy that would make the mm. phone call. And I loved it. It was so cute. Mm-hmm. And yes, I also just wanted to have a bunch of friends set up a long con like this at a drop of a hat. Like, just the way that everyone was so committed and, like, so excited to play a part. I was like, this is my dream right here. Like, <laughs> I want this to happen. And we just, like, play pranks on people. And we're so committed. But the MVP um- is Curly. When he goes, me specialty is an Englishman. And he, like, pulls out his suitcase of, like, his own stuff. I'm like, (laughs) that's the real MVP right there. I was, when you're talking about shots, I was going to say my favorite shot of the whole film um, is when Robert Redford is going in after Lonigan has lost the poker game. He's going in to collect the money or whatever. And uh, the crony goes up behind him in the train and you can just see his eyes just barely looking over his shoulder. Like it's a shot from behind the crony Mm -hmm. and Robert Redford is up looking at him you can only see his eyes above the guy's shoulder I just thought it was so clever just to kind of demonstrate that like he's kind of in over his head he's nervous like Mm -hmm. we're all nervous for him too just I just thought that was so genius the way they did that I love that oh so good two kind of funny things Shaw Lonigan had an injury right before filming happened and so that's why he has a limp like it wasn't a character choice like but they just went with it and like made it. I think that was so funny. I read that trivia in so many places, like my movie book and online, like people love that fact. So I thought I would share. I love that. I, cause I was wondering, the limp makes me feel bad for him. So I was like, mm. why would they give him a limp? So now it makes sense that that wasn't part of his character development. It was just an <laughs> just, accident. Yeah. And they just went with it. But, yeah, I was like, I wish he didn't have a limp because I like am sad for him, <laughs> only for that reason. So yeah, I love all the swipes and like circle transitions. The Paul Newman giving a wink after the card tricks is the only acceptable time for a wink. But <laughs> the director, George Roy Hill, used some 1930s stylistic techniques. The film starts with a 1930s era Universal logo, which like I wouldn't know, oh, but that's so cool. And they use the editing wipes to transition between scenes and iris shots, which are those circular ones. So it's like those I feel like you only see in like Star Wars. So it's interesting that Star Wars and the Sting kind of came out pretty close to one another and are using these (laughs) technical transitions, but like very intentionally done to put us in that like 1930s film style, which I love. Uh, One of the commentators said something really interesting too which is like nothing happens without a reason in the sting. Like there's no fluff or throwaway shots or like useless scenes. Like everything has a purpose and it might not seem like that, but eventually everything is explained for why it was included. And like, it's just such masterful writing and editing. And he's kind of saying like some films today could benefit from that (laughs) where there's like a lot of extra material that like doesn't have much to do with anything and uh, not necessarily that like everything should have a purpose or like everything should be over explained like I think there's something to be said about having some extraneous material or unexplained items but it is just such a tight film that makes so much sense and is like very rewatchable in that way too to like figure out how everything connects knowing everything that you know and still getting tricked by stuff. Like, I loved watching it a couple mm-hmm. years later and only remembering some of the big twists and being like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this. It's so fun. It's just a delightful film. 
The set pieces are incredible. They filmed some of it in Chicago, I was reading. This guy was also saying, like, the costumes are a really interesting choice where, like, the everyday people that you see, like, post-depression era, are in, like, very drab kind of plain clothes. But then all the gangsters, all the con artists are, like, wearing very fashionable suits and very expensive clothing. And, like, they're the ones that are being successful and they're the ones with the money. And so they're all the ones that are looking very sharp. So it was really cool to see, like, the costuming element of that as well. I recommend watching it multiple times. I mean, not like in a row. I think the first time I watched it, I watched it with myself and then I watched it with you and then I watched it with my family pretty soon afterwards. But like, there's just so much stuff going on. And also the conversation, how do you say it? Like the the writing, the Mm -hmm. script is so different. Like they put that also very in the 30s. I just read a quote. I land around a bunch of bohunk towns until the G-men came for me. Just like it's a whole other language. They're using these words that we do not use anymore. And so it's nice to like watch it a couple times to kind of understand what they're saying and recognize the characters too. Because there's also a lot of characters and, and they're uh, all wearing different very, people. Yeah, they're all wearing very similar yeah. outfits and hats. And like all the con people are kind of doing the same things. So it's fun to... Like, be like, oh, yeah, okay, now I understand this guy is from the beginning, and now he's doing this, and yeah. so uh, if you didn't like it the first time, don't say you're never going to watch it again, because I, it gets better, I think. It's not, it's really fun the first time when you get For the reveal, but yeah. I think it does, it, like, it's worth a rewatch, even if you do know what, how it ends. No, I agree, because there are so many people, and it is tricky to be like, who is a good guy, and who is the bad guy, and like, who is a part of this and who's not and who's tricking people and who's not and so yeah it's a really good some really good advice obviously like the casting is like rather white but um the inclusion of having luther and he is this like central figure which is the whole reason why they do it i appreciated that paul newman was like nothing's gonna make up for luther like pulling off this con doesn't make the death of luther okay and i was kind of like oh man are they just gonna have this be like the catalyst for these white men and like what does that really say about luther and like the uh, the black community within this 1930s world they also had the there was a black man who was like selling everything to them and he was like very profitable and very successful and so i was just i was worried that like this movie could have just painted black people as like look at this there's like a, a trend in movies to have women iced I don't know if you've heard about that much at all, but like a woman will die and therefore it is the catalyst for men's success. And so that's like a really negative trope that we have in our culture. And so I was like, oh no, is this like following a similar pattern? And I think that is a discussion worth having and interrogating and like being introspective about um, kind of the role of like, why was it the black man who died? And there are, um, and I I'd never felt like the main characters treated Luther as like second class or behaved in any negative ways toward it either. But just something interesting to interrogate that like he was such an important part of the movie and yet he like was not in it very much either. He so, was in it for 10 minutes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so that that to say like, oh, that doesn't discount that it's like such a uh, enjoyable movie and a fun movie, but just something like to be thinking about as we watch movies of like how how is race involved? um in these films and different things like that so and not always not to say like put it in this like moral of like everything is either really good or really bad but just like understanding the nuance and in 
investigating it in that way. So I oh, have a please. trivia about Luther. His name's Robert Earl Jones, father of James Earl Jones. Oh, oh wow, that's amazing. Just found this out just barely. Yeah. What a hero. Oh my gosh. What a gift. Oh, I was just gonna say kind of goes along with what we've already been saying, but just I think Paul Newman Gondorf is mm-hmm. trying to t- or he tells Hooker that like you want to be a class grifter, not just like a like normal grifter. So it's just funny to think there are levels of grifting and like you can be a, a classy grifter or like some guy on the streets. So that was and then someone else there was a quote, no sense in being a grifter if it's the same as being a citizen. So mm-hmm. just like these levels of society of like as a citizen, low class grifter, high class grifter, mob boss, <laughs> policeman, right. corrupt policeman, like I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. There's a hierarchy here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's got kind of, or I should say, I feel like Ocean's 11, 12, 13, that whole thing, like, probably makes some allusions to the sting because they, like, feel kind of similar in some ways of, like, a long con. It was funny because when we watched The Freshman for Film Club, I really had to stop myself from saying, like, this has some the sting vibes because I knew I was going to probably pick it. (laughs) eventually for film club but i think maybe Catherine or somebody was like i felt like i had seen the ending before and i wanted to be like well the freshman kind of like riffs off of it because like oh like, yeah yeah he yeah. gets like shot at the end and then it's like all fake and <laughs> oh yeah. yeah but yeah but still this is the og so all right we'll throw Very it fun. over to the capo regimes and their responses they probably some of my sisters will probably talk about it in the reviews but just in case they because i have not read these reviews yet just in case they haven't big shout out to gondorf's wife who plays old mother hubbard in um babes in toyland the keanu reeves version what an icon what a legend wow she actually is great in this film she's very fun i love when she oh yeah she does a great job pickpockets Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when um she like warns or she like i don't know when snyder's trying to get back to like look in the room sh- the way she like convinces him not to go back there i love that yes yeah 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 oh so good oh i love this movie i hate snyder by the by he bothers me so much he just feels like the lowest of the low he's so corrupt it's true and he gives him that scar that gave you that scar favorite characters we have the cafe lady who's a double agent what is her name i wrote it down because selena or something like yes that. <laughs> yeah selena henry gondorf robert redford the friend who gets hit into the table and gets a bloody nose also an icon i love him i love whenever he's, he's acting is he eerie i love yes. him i love it when he like gets so nervous when <laughs> when Lonigan sits down next to him when and then Lonigan's he just like there. he's like go this guy like oh you're a fool if you bet it on him <laughs> and everyone's kind of like he's yeah. like, really into it a little bit nervous he's gonna blow it but and then Lonigan totally eats it up yes and then when um Hooker goes over and he's like good job <laughs> it's so cute <laughs> Harold Gould aka Kid Twist I think that's the the main That's guy the, who's running it all, the other mustache. The um, English Martin specialty. Gorman, 
Hooker and Salino. So many Salino fans. Uh, Kid Twist and Gondorf and Twist. Lots of Twist fans. I did really like him too, but not enough to be like, ah, his name. Yes, my favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I feel like I'd have to go with Henry Gondorf. He's just so classy. He is. You're going with Eerie though? Yeah, I wrote him down as my favorite. I love how... Like he was in a, he was in the original gang with him and Luther, and then wants to come back and be a part of that. When he's like hiding his nose, <laughs> revenge. Yes, he's so cute. <laughs> I also and love... he's also like he says I've never done this before, but like Luther was Luther means so much to me. So yeah, so I also wholesome. love when. I should just pick that British man as my favorite character, the guy who does the British character. Because when he's, like, putting on his fake facial hair, and then he, like, gives Eerie some makeup, and he's like, put that on your nose. (laughs) He's so cute. I love him. (laughs) So extra. So nice. Favorite scenes? Um, When they pretend to paint the office, you mentioned that. The actual sting, the entire train segment, but especially the card game, and then the Western Union office segment. The girls riding the merry-go-round on a slow night. (laughs) I also like when they magically transform a room into a true sports betting dig with trophies of horse racing and all the little details. I also like how after they've both been shot, they just sit up and both just, oh, just bust up laughing. <laughs> I like that part, too. Paul Newman has Johnny such a good Henry, laugh. He does. When Johnny and Henry both look at each other after they've been shot and start laughing and cheering because they're con worked. Also, the poker game on the train, the card game on the train. The iconic gun scene at the end and card game scene on the train. When they go to paint the telegraph office and all the scenes in the fake bedding place. The close-up of Paul Newman's eyes and when Robert Redford is running. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scene? I loved when Robert Redford jumped over the fence. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that shot of him looking over the guy's shoulder. I like the glow-up scene, too. Mm-hmm. When he gets his cool outfit and his cool hairdo. <laughs> I know it's a popular one, but I do love, I can watch that poker game over and over again. But I also just love when they delay Lonigan's bet and he's like so upset about it. And <laughs> and when Eerie comes over and he's like, you should have bet it on this one. And just to like make him angrier. It's so great. I love it. I think I also love when he sees the paper on the ground and you realize the same time that he does that like oh someone's gone in the room yeah something's wrong and i love it when they're like someone had to have tipped him off how could he have known (laughs) and also i feel like when he jumps onto the like little car thing to escape i feel like that is referenced somewhere else do you know what i'm talking about i can't figure out but i just feel like oh yeah people escape that way um, robert de niro underneath (laughs) in cake fear oh my gosh but i can't figure it out of what exactly i'm picturing and i don't know if it's like a the sting originated it or but anyway i just feel like it's something that they do a lot yeah yeah i think i've seen it somewhere else too okay here's my thematic question how did the chapter breaks help or hinder the story Um, I think they helped give the movie overall direction and cues to the audience. They pulled me in to focus on what the next chapter was about, heightening the anticipation of what's going to happen next, just as a chapter title in a book can excite the reader. They allowed for a smooth transition from segment to segment. The illustrations added much fun. 
I thought it was a great help in trying to set everything straight. I actually enjoyed the chapter breaks because I like that jam of a song. <laughs> it added to the time period and helped me know what was happening with the plot. Sometimes it was hard for me to follow. Um, loved it. It feels like Ocean's Eleven, the 2001 version, or The Prestige, where they're going to break down the con like it's a master's class. I think they help to give a sense of organization and control in a movie where even the viewers, first viewers especially, are part of the con and don't have all the information. It reminds them it's a story planned out with different parts. I could see how an argument could be made that it hinders the story. I don't know if it helped or hindered, but I did make Lauren rewind to the start again because I couldn't remember what the start said. And then there wasn't even a chapter title there, so that was too bad. (laughs) (laughs) It did throw us off a little bit. We, I neglected to talk about this when we were breaking down more of those like technical aspects. What did you like the chapter breaks? Um, it's fun. It kind of makes it, I don't know why it makes it feel more old timey. I feel like that, that was more common. <laughs> I'm thinking of um, intolerance. I feel like there mm-hmm. were, or like Nosferatu no. with like part one, part two. Yeah. Uh huh. So that, I think it kind of helps, uh, I don't know, that make it feel older than mm-hmm. that than it is yeah i don't feel like it i mean maybe you could argue that it hinders the story and that it like kind of like breaks up the action but sometimes like as you've mentioned before there's so much going on so many characters you're trying to sort things out that it's kind of just like a nice mental break and reset in between mm-hmm. each each part so i i feel like it's a really fun thematic highlight of the of the movie and filmmaking but i was thinking the only other movie I can really think of that follows a similar structure, I'm sure there's others too, um, but it's Hunt for the Willer People, where there are like chapter breaks with titles and stuff. So, I Oh, I forgot about that. Favorite aspect of this film? Someone said music. With the film winning seven Oscars, including Best Picture, Director, all the aspects you listed were tops. Every element... Of this film worked for me. The brilliant screenplay needs special recognition. Thanks, David Ward. Something the film did was popularize Scott Joplin's music. Even though composer Marvin Hamlish could have written his own score, adapting Joplin's music was brilliant. By the way, Hamlish is one of the one of just eighteen EGOT winners, and one of two PGOT winners. He won a Pulitzer Prize. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Another person loved the music. Every time I hear the beginning of. The Maple Leaf rag, I think of the sting. I love the set and the costumes. The acting was top-notch. Definitely the ensemble. It's a who's who of actors you probably recognize but can't name. Robert Shaw, Charles Durning, Eileen Brennan, Harold Gould, Dan Eklar, Robert Earl Jones, and Ray Walston. Just fantastic stuff. Acting, Paul, (laughs) and music. Who doesn't love the entertainer? And then the music was great. The story was fun, yet a little stressful with some good plot twists. Yeah, I love the like way that they have like adapted Joplin's music because I feel like the entertainer usually is played so straight as just like really quick and really brisk. But I love those like opening slow down notes at the very beginning mm-hmm. before it rushes on in. It's like mm, so classy. I love it. All right. <laughs> What's a lesson or takeaway you gained from watching this film? Parasols can be kind of creepy. <laughs> You didn't know that before. What a good takeaway. <laughs> Don't bet on horses or anything else you know little about. Also, revenge is for suckers. But later, you're right, Henry, it's not enough. But it's close. <laughs> Be very <laughs> careful who you trust. It's a scam. It's a scam. It's a scam. 
People are not always what they portray themselves to be. This is even more so in our world of social media. We are very gullible, especially when looking for revenge or ways to get rich. If you trick a henchman into going out the bathroom window, don't leave the diner in the direction of said window. Oh, that part gets me every time. I get so frustrated. (laughs) And he has to run so fast. Twists and surprises are so fun in movies. And then don't sleep with a woman you might you barely know because she might be trying to kill you. <laughs> Very true. I love that was great. Okay. I think yeah, okay. And this is Catherine. Watching the sting was an interesting experience. It took a bit to figure out who was with whom and what everyone's motivations were. Overall, it was a fairly enjoyable movie. I loved the schemes they would come up with, from building a set that looked like a bedding area to posing as painters, all in the name is, all in the name of conning one man. I enjoyed the music, and it didn't feel like a slow movie. Elizabeth pointed out that Henry's wife question mark later goes on to star in the one and only Babes in Toyland as the old woman who lives in a shoe. So that was definitely an amazing moment, and she is clearly the best actor in the entire show, given the film she would later go on to make. I never really thought the con wouldn't go off, so even when there were moments that seemed dicey, like the Fed catching up with Hooker, it just had the feel of Henry always having the upper hand. I don't think this that made the show boring, but I didn't feel invested in any of the characters either. The big twist of the femme fatale was also resolved so quickly that it never really made an impact. I think the music, the, the movie's strength is in the cast of characters determined to overthrow the bad guy. I can't even remember his name. Such as the man who pretends to be with Western Union, the bank teller, etc. Overall, it was enjoyable, but one I don't think I'd ever return to. Mm. Reconsider that statement. Yeah, listen to Lauren's plea earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is from George. This terrific film is regarded as one of the greatest ever, and rightly so. It has special meaning for me because when it came out, Christmas Day 1973, I had just turned 18. My dad saw it alone and then took Grandma Leah and each of us kids to see it in turn so (laughs) he could experience it with them and watch their reaction. And yes, I got stung myself. They must have had so much fun making it. The initial pacing may seem a little slow now, but the deliberate lead-in and build-up makes the poker game so satisfying. I could watch that scene and the climactic ending over and over and not, and not be bored. The movie plays like a beautiful yet and lyrical symphony that is so enjoyable because it all works and never gets old. Also, according to a Google search, 500000 the money that he loses, would have been worth about $3.4 million when the film was made and about $9 million today. So that is <gasps> quite a hefty sum of money. Deb said, I very much enjoyed The Sting. It is a very classic film and very timely since everyone is going to be betting on the horses with the Kentucky Derby approaching the first Saturday <laughs> in May. From the opening shot where you are underneath the stairs and see someone walking up with their fancy shoes, you realize that you are on the underside or belly of gangs and streets of Chicago. They would not only be my favorite people to hang out with, for I would always feel that I would be taken and I would never know who to trust. All the characters are amazing and fulfill their roles with perfection. Some of my favorite scenes, how they all transform the space and how everyone comes in their costume and plays their role or part with perfection to make it seem like reality. I like how they genuinely get up from being shot and laugh slowly and slyly at first, but then they just bust up. (laughs) On a slow night, the girls get to go on the merry-go-round. This movie was one of Grandpa Witt's favorite films. He would often brush the side of his nose while looking at people. I love that all the twists and turns keep you on your feet. You just aren't sure who is who and who they are stinging. 
So yeah, I also love that at the end with between Erie and Hooker when they like brush their nose to each other. So mm-hmm. along with the high sign, we're going to have to start bringing that into our Disney photos. <laughs> then the next one is Biz. This is a fantastic film. I love the setup, the characters, and the twists. The elaborate scheme they set up to get back at the guys is amazing. I love the contacts that Henry has. Ryan said, Hill is definitely riffing off his Butch and Sundance success a bit. The music and cinematography feel a bit derivative of that, but if it isn't broken, why fix it? Newman doesn't have quite enough to do for me, but when he's in it, he's at peak Newman. I love the cast. Characters aren't just there, but they do have, but they each have a part to play. Robert Shaw is a perfect smarmy, mustache-twirling bad guy. Charles Durning as police officer is great at constantly being a thorn in Redford's plans. Earl Jones leaves too early, but really sets up the emotional stakes. Gould and Walston are great additions to the team. Andy Clark is essential as a classic FBI man that makes his turn at, at the end feel earned. The plot isn't perfect. Having Demetra Arliss purely as a woman to quickly kill and explain as an unknown assassin seems contrived and doesn't look great from a modern perspective. As a whole, though, the film st- still stands up as a classic. The con is satisfying. You can still feel a lot of its influences in modern filmmaking. That is an in- uh, interesting take from both Catherine and Ryan to kind of about how maybe this like side plot is a bit belittled. I just am always like so shocked that it is a woman. Like obviously there's some things there that I have to <laughs> break down within myself of like why couldn't the assassin be a woman? But it's always just such a shock to me that I'm always just like oh yeah you go lady assassin. But well, and I think too it's because throughout the film it's been set up as like hey, Salino is the person who wants to do this job. It's somebody who's contracted by Lonigan for a long time, has worked for Lonigan for a long time, and is recognizable. Like, when the guy, the other assassin, is, like, still trying to kill him for his own money, and then Hooker's hiding in the manhole, when the guy turns around and he's like, oh, Salino, like, I didn't realize you were here, I'm sorry! And then she shoots him, but you don't realize who it is, like... It wasn't so much of of a femme fatale, right? Where it's like, oh, alluring woman who is his downfall is like she set herself up to be able to assassinate him at some point, but like she's she wasn't like hired because she was the woman in the cafe. Like she has had a history of being an assassin, and she's like well known for it and has this reputation. And definitely, I think they could have explored like that plot line would have been really interesting for sure. But I do think. Lonigan trying to assassinate Hooker is secondary to them trying to sting Lonigan. And the additional task of trying to trick Snyder off of the scent, by consequence the audience, I think that ended up taking precedent to a storyline of a female assassin. However, good points. I just, I don't know that like that was as egregious a plot point as it was. Just because, and maybe it was like, oh, it shouldn't have been such a a shock factor, but I thought it was fun. Okay, I think then it's Annie. I remember watching The Sting when I was younger, although it was edited or fast-forwarded a lot, and I recall two things. I thought it was still such a long movie and the surprise ending. Many years later, I still remember the ending and enjoyed the rewatch from the perspective of an all-knowing viewer, noticing the little details here and there that hint at what's to come. Again, there was so much else that I enjoyed about the film, and I still forgot one twist. So bravo to the sting. Uh, I forgot the waitress was actually Selena. Made me gasp out loud when she got shot. 
It's such a fun, surprising heist movie. What I didn't remember from my youth, Paul Newman's dashing good looks and beautiful eyes, <laughs> that Robert Redford is the fastest runner and original inventor of parkour. Oh my gosh, it's so scene. true. It's so true. <laughs> because the way he jumps off at one point feels exactly like when the office is riffing on parkour and it makes me want to say parkour every time I see it. <laughs> the train scene is hilarious. The rain effect was perhaps a little overboard, but romantic. I wish it rained like that more often here in Utah. My favorite quote was when the FBI guy says exasperatedly, try not to live up to all my expectations. (laughs) I could make this review longer, expressing admiration for the male friendship portrayed, justice for Luther, discuss class values, debate glamorizing con men, who we all probably hate in real life, Question the accuracy of historical setting and the wax poetic and wax poetic about Paul Newman's eyes, but instead I'll just keep it fun and short. Great show. Oh, so fun, Annie. I would love to discuss all of that more with you. So never feel like you have to edit yourself. It's from Jill. I think I'd seen this movie before, so I knew it would end okay, but I still felt nervous throughout the whole thing. So that probably means it was a well done film. I've always loved Robert Redford, but I don't remember him being so hairy. <laughs> And the Scott Joplin songs gave it a fun, carefree feeling, which I imagine is how the life of a grifter like Johnny Hooker would feel. I loved the whole long con and the characters involved in it, a worthy choice for film club. All right, if you have nothing more to say, I think it is time to leave the gun. Take the cannoli. My cannoli question for you, number one, is, okay, what would be your grifter name? And I hear some options to just get you in the right frame of mind we had horse-faced lee slim miller suitcase murphy the big alabama and crying jonesy no um resident monson <laughs> classic classic that was my question for you but i guess i can just think of i mean one. you can ask me um mm. <sighs> I feel like I've got to throw it back to the childhood, so Henry will be in there at some point. Henry, I've got to throw it back to where I come from, too. Salty, slick Henry. There it is. Cute. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Would you rather live in a janky apartment or behind a spooky carousel? Mm-hmm, probably the, oh, I'm sorry. The apartment. I would not, I would not feel comfortable by a spooky carousel. <laughs> Not unexpected. Um, what would be your sign, your signal to call oh. on your grifters? Ooh. Um, I feel like I gotta stay loyal to my usual sign in signs, which is Spider-Man. But that might be a little <laughs> bit more obvious than just scratching your nose. <laughs> just walking through the street. <laughs> Me. <laughs> what would you blow all your money on? Disney pins? <laughs> <laughs> But specifically, Disney ice cream pins. Disney characters Disney holding ice cream. Disney ice cream pins. <laughs> what would your long con be based around? Like, they're based around horse betting, but what would you create, like, the... What's my favorite kind of betting? <laughs> okay. Maybe something with the Oscars, even though the Oscars is problematic and rigged and not the best but i'm like is there anything disney related that has like some element of surprise and guessing and betting mm-hmm. i don't know i'll go with that oscars okay so now our listener submitted 
the or capital uh, regime cannoli questions. Would you rather try to cheat at poker or bet on a horse race? Betting on a horse I would race. Bet on a horse race. What? That is like so random. Cheating at poker just takes skill. <clears throat> I do. I don't even know how to play poker. So you at literally least the horse won race. the only poker game we've played <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> Oh, when I was God. watching the poker game this time, I was like, I don't remember how to play this. <laughs> All right. Well, you have fun betting on those horses. I will. Yeah. Get in then trouble. I don't have to think about it. I just put some money down. Just toss your hat into the ring. The next question, though, that we can think about is if you were to cast Newman and Redford in The Godfather, who would they replace? Or would you have to make oh. new roles for them? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Newman could play a Salazzo, maybe. I mean, like, I he's too moral for that, but... I think he could maybe be Sunny. I mean, James Conn is the only one who could be Sunny, but... I just feel like Sunny's personality is too belligerent. I feel like Gondorf is much more reserved. Like, he but only acts that when he needs to be. Paul Newman and Oh, Redford. so we're not... Okay, 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 okay. Hmm. Although Paul Newman does very famously, he's just like the cool, like the very collected guy. So but I think it would be, be fun to see his role where he has to lose control. Okay. I was going to say, should he play Michael? I mean, yeah, Michael. I was like, I thought I said Al Pacino in my head, but. <laughs> Michael. I mean, Michael. <laughs> um, he could, yeah. That'd be interesting. Redford, I feel like. Johnny Fontaine. Oh! Or Tom. Mm. That would be interesting. Robert, mm -hmm. you're out. Okay. Um, what situations do you have to put on your poker face? When I see a one-eyed horse. <gasps> you might offend it. <laughs> um... Just when I'm talking to parents about, I don't know, I don't ever have to give bad news. That's the doctor's job. But sometimes, oh, like if if it was a little bit of a rough wake up and pack you, I don't, when they come in, I'm not like, well, your child wasn't breathing for like a minute. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just That's... say, oh, yeah, it took a little bit, but he's okay now. Everything's fine. <laughs> That's so scary. <laughs> Would you rather paint someone's office without their approval or run a shady merry-go-round? <laughs> Why does everyone think this merry-go-round shady? It's just a merry-go-round. It's just a little dink. <laughs> um, I think I would choose the merry-go-round because no one's going to get mad at me for doing that. It's true. I'd probably do the same. I'd be too stressed. Who is the best con person? Paul, Hooker, Mother Hubbard, or Sawyer from Lost? <laughs> Ooh, um, there is a clear answer. And now, now that I have read all this, I do think it is she is the old woman who lives in the shoe, not Mother Hubbard, or maybe she's both. Maybe it was a combined character. Anyway, see, Hooker, I still feel like he's an apprentice. Paul, mm -hmm. I mean, um, Gondorf probably takes it, but Sawyer, that's a pretty good long con. I don't know. I abstain from answering. I'm going to choose Paul. Who is best looking? Oh, no. Oh, no. Paul. 
I do really like Robert Redford's looks, though. And Sawyer. Oh, abstain. There is a clear answer, she says. Actually, Annie, I would be interested in knowing, because I know that uh, Paul Newman has really climbed up in your chart. Bonus question, would the two con men and crew be able to trick the Godfather? <gasps> no! <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's too... Because Lonigan was a good target because he was really hot-headed and mm-hmm. he was more of like a sunny character where he was driven by his desire to get revenge. Mm-hmm. But... And make, make Vito... In this absurd amount of money. Yeah. But Vito and Michael both, they think about what they're doing first and they're not driven by their emotions so much. Well, and also I feel like they don't gamble. Like... They take advantage of other people gambling, but, like, Vito and Michael themselves, I don't really see them, like, I feel like they're above that, you know? Fredo would gamble. (laughs) You'd have to trick Michael, like, trick him into thinking that his father was dead or something, or, like, his father was in danger, and then he'd totally fall for it. Do you think Vito Corleone would fall for this con? (laughs) And would he ever hire a hit woman? Probably not. Um... So we said, no, he wouldn't fall for it. And yeah, women can afford to be careless. <laughs> I don't know. They I don't feel believe like in women. They don't believe that women exist in The Godfather. <laughs> what scene from The Godfather could you insert the quote, you stink, mister? Who would say it and who would they say it to? <laughs> Feels like a Fredo thing. Oh, or I was thinking Polly. Oh, he says, Polly. Um, I don't know what he says, but. He said he would say it to Clemenza. When he's like, what are you, some dance judge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or when that guy comes and is like throwing sandwiches at him and is like, we got gabagool. And he's like, hey, you stupid jerk. Hey, you stupid jerk. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> you stink, mister. You would totally say that. 100%. You have found the correct answer. Okay. Mm. What a great film. All right. Guesses at connecting the movie let me take a quick read okay well i think we can safely say someone is on the right track but not quite said everything they need to to officially win correct yeah it's just not complete but it is someone is on the right track so obviously we won't say who oh um but should we give one that is not correct it does not have to do with strangers working together towards a goal and becoming friends in the process mm, but that is a fun that one that is a good back. connection like a rival that works between the scientist and the lingu- linguist bill cunningham between him and his editor friend oh they're bffs true grit definitely works mm-hmm. that's a good connection dang but unfortunately not the one we had in mind but I love all of you making these connections across the board anyway. Mm, film club's the best. All right. Any other parting words? I hope that going my way goes well. <laughs> It'll be fine. There may be a film that you don't like, but you can always find an aspect of it that you do because film is so complicated. Except for Chicken Little. There are no redeeming qualities. <laughs> it's not enough, but it's close. That, that was film club. <laughs> That was the exiting guitar riff.
Wow. <laughs> you ever played the long con? Time to work on your grafting skills and dust off your tweeds because we're giving you a lift home. You follow? It's time to break down the sting. Pew, 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 pew. So this is a film. I think you said you said grafting instead of grifting. Embarrassing. I gotta do it over again. Stupid autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> you ever work on your grafting skills? This is a movie about surgery. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't like that a lot. All right, let's try it again. You just wanted to hear my accent again. Um. 